Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. We go on this Friday, quickly in Murata mornings. What am I doing wrong, Vinny? Uh, let me see. Uh, Got some mic malfunction. No, going we're on. Good. There we oh, go. There, there it is. There we go. <laughs> and away we go on a Friday morning. Wake up, everybody. How are you all doing? Can yeah. I- can I get mad at something right off the yeah, bat? Yeah, please do. Why do people I press know. these buttons? I don't know why people. Because I does you know me, get screwed. I with? don't understand Ugh. it either. I do. Yeah, now listen. I don't get it either. But it's okay. It's all good. It is a Friday. It is a victory Friday, <laughs> right? Now I understand. There's a lot of Suns fans who might be reliving the game for the first time who didn't get to watch the game last night. Mm-hmm. That's quite interesting. That is quite interesting. <laughs> Did you? Oh. S- yeah. A lot, yeah. I heard That's, from a lot of people. Oh, yeah. When you talk about the frustrating nature of a first half of basketball, and they're like, yeah, at least you get to watch it. At least it. you got to see it. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a lot of <laughs> my friends who I think were getting their data mined by <laughs> links from China that they uh, okay, had trying to, to find, find illegal streams yeah, and trying stuff. To yeah. Find, yeah, see, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that can happen when you cut the cord. Right? And you can yeah. always go to a sports bar and beg and plead with them for 45 minutes to put the mm, game don't on. Don't tell me you had to do that. No. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, I didn't realize that blackout was, was still a thing well, in the playoffs. It doesn't make any sense. If a game is in Los Angeles, why are you being blacked out in Phoenix? I, it, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this concept a little bit. There's so many still antiquated broadcast rules. It's like, why are we in the year 2023? And I'm not casting stones at Valley Sports Arizona. They're broadcasting the game because they're granted the rights to broadcast the game. Mm-hmm. But why is every NBA game not a nationally televised game? I I I have no answer for you. None of it makes a darn bit of sense to me. I, I I've never understood this. You have to understand. I grew up with this. I grew up in a city where the Blackhawks owner was such a oh. greedy sob. Was right? it Wirtz? It was. Yeah. Yes. And it, they would not show any of the home games um, on television. Because they wanted people in the building. And it's like, what are you doing? You are keeping your product away from the masses. Hey, I went through a period here in uh, the mid-90s in Phoenix, and some people might remember this. 
They went to a pay-per-view yeah. system uh-huh. for the NBA playoffs. Uh-huh. <laughs> that went over like a turd in a punch bowl. Uh-huh. But we're also old enough to have lived through watching Game 6 of the NBA Finals on tape delay on a Friday night. We did do that, didn't we? And it was a legendary performance that wasn't shown live in this country. Wow. Yeah. We've come up, the NBA has come a long way. But not as far as it needs to. That's true. You guys okay. were alive for that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say a lot of people are watching the Suns game today because they were at the Diamondbacks game or they were at the Jersey unveiling. Yeah. It's a very busy. Oh, there's a lot, a, a lot of a things lot, going on. A lot of going on. Yeah. And night. we'll get into it starting right now. Start the show, Ferret. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Splash. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Devin, our Our money booker. Those three words could pretty much sum up uh, what happened last night at Crypto.com Arena. Booker poured in 45 points, leading the Suns to a 129-124 Game 3 win over the Clippers. He was consistent throughout. He scored at least eight points in each quarter, three double-digit quarters, added six rebounds, three assists, three steals, two block shots, and zero turnovers. And the Suns would need every bit of that stat line. The Clippers played without Kawhi Leonard, who missed the game because of a knee sprain nobody knew about, apparently. Uh, Norman Powell started in his place and scored 42 points on 15 of 23 shooting. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook added 30 and 12 assists. It was a weird, wacky game at uh, Crypto.com Arena. Quick yeah. turnaround for Game 4. Saturday afternoon, 12.30 from L.A. Extended pregame coverage starts at 11 on the Arizona Sports app at 98.7. Yeah, I think you inverted uh, the stories in terms of their magnitude, but they're not they're not far apart. Number one, what went down with the Clippers and learning its shoot-around that Kawhi Leonard was going to be miss, missing the game with a knee sprain he suffered in Game 1. Had a lot of people going, you're kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. And the Suns took advantage of it. Wasn't always pretty, but they did what they had to do. There was a lot of pressure on them not to lose that game last night. There was. <laughs> and that's <laughs> when Devin it. Booker came in. Yeah. And, 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 and he was that dude. And I think that you can't say that for everybody. I think there was some pressure to be that was felt by, by the guys in Suns uniforms. We'll get into all of it today. Last night, elsewhere in the NBA, 76ers one game away from advancing to the second round. They hung on to beat Brooklyn 102-97. Joel Embiid somehow avoided ejection after kicking Brooklyn's Nick Claxton in the groin early in the contest at 14 points and 10 rebounds. Tyrese Maxey huge down the stretch for the Sixers, scoring 10 straight Philly points in a 224 span in the fourth. That game did involve a couple of ejections. James Harden got ejected for punching Royce O'Neal in the groin. Nick Claxton got ejected for two uh, technical fouls, and yeah. Bede might be suspended for Game Four. Yeah, um, I covered a I covered an ASU Arizona game once where James Harden did the same thing to Gilbert Arenas, and I was sitting courtside, and Gilbert Arenas started screaming, "He hit me in the bleep! He hit me in the bleep!" Never forget that as long as I live. Um, yeah, James Harden didn't get suspended for that, but he was in college at the time. So um, I, I look at this, and two things strike me. Number one, this is, I don't know if this is really normal. There's a, there's the, a lot of cheap dirtiness happening very early on in these NBA playoffs. 
A lot. A lot. Yeah. And it's so, a bad look for the league. So you're wondering, well, they had a chance to crack down on it. It was in like the first minute and a half of the game last night that Embiid and Claxton got that got tangled up. It was a weird, that yeah. was a weird uh, yeah. circumstance too. Golden State Warriors alive after a 114-97 win over Sacramento in game three. Steph Curry, 36 points on the night for the Warriors. Kevon Looney, listen to this stat line, four points, 20 rebounds, nine assists. <laughs> They'll take that. Yeah. Uh, 2-1 Sacramento in that series. Three more games in the NBA tonight. Atlanta down 0-2 hosting Boston at 4 o'clock. Pivotal Game 3 at Madison Square Garden with the Knicks hosting the Cavs at 5.30 on ABC in Minnesota trying to get on the board against Denver. They trail 0-2 and they host the Nuggets at Target Center at 6.30. Celtics guard Malcolm Brogdon in the NBA's sixth man of the year. His first year with the Celtics. He beats out Emmanuel quickly of the Knicks. Bobby Portis of the Bucks for the award. He's the first Celtic to win the award since... The big redhead, Bill Walton, oh, in the 1985-86 okay. season. Uh, D-backs dropped the opener of a four-game series with the Padres, 7-5 at Chase Field. San Diego jumped out to an early lead on starter Ryan Nelson, and after Matt Carpenter's solo home run in the fourth, it was 5-1. D-backs stormed back with four runs in the bottom of the fourth to tie it up, but it was Trent Grisham's two-run double in the sixth off of Kyle Nelson that proved to be the difference for San Diego. That series continues tonight at 6-40 at Chase Field. Zach Gallen against Seth Lugo. Pre-game coverage starts at 6 on the Arizona Sports app at 98.7. Of course, the big news for the D-backs yesterday, designated for assignment. That is is what is stamped next to the name of Madison Bumgarner. He had struggled mightily in his four starts this year, going 0-3 with a 10-26 ERA. Bumgarner owned more than $34 million on his original five-year $85 million deal signed before the shortened 2020 season, but big move for the D-backs there. Met starter Max Scherzer suspended 10 games and fined an undisclosed amount for a violation of the foreign substances prohibitions. It's just rosin! Oh, I guess they weren't buying that. Or maybe it was too much rosin. Who knows? That's what it was. And and again, I, this is an interesting thing because he he keeps doing this. <laughs> the the ums kept giving him every chance to not do it. it like yeah, kept third doing time. It. Yeah, they warned him twice. Yes, and he still got. And he kept it. doing it. Yeah, Cardinals will hold their pre-draft press availability today at their training facility in Tempe with GM Monty Austin Ford and head coach Jonathan Gannon addressing the media. That'll go down at noon. Of course, the Cardinals have the third overall pick in next week's draft. Last night. We got to see the Cardinals' new uniforms at the uh, Van Buren in downtown Phoenix, an event uh, that they've had planned for a while. First time they've had a major uniform redesign since 2005. You can check out all the details at ArizonaSports.com. What's what's your quick review? Uh, Meh. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the white is nice and clean. The other two I don't care for. All three of them are exactly as boring as you would expect them to be. Nike has a lot to do with it. When Nike redesigns uniforms, they normally get it wrong. And you can go through the list okay. of teams. When they get new looks, it's usually like, what did they just do? Um, and okay. This is better than yeah. most, but kind of underwhelming. Yep. Uh, and a couple of former Sun Devils are now GCU Lopes. Duke Brennan and Malcolm Flags entered the portal. And now they're crossing town to play for Bryce Drew at GCU. Flags didn't play last season, but Brennan was a key bench player for ASU as a freshman seeing action in 35 ball games. And there you go. There's college basketball in a nutshell. And there's your splash for Friday, April 21st. Yeah, big news before the yeah. game last night from L.A. And then a big performance in that game by Devin Booker. We'll get into all of it next on this Friday. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball.
Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Clippers. Now. I suspect I saw when it happened. He drove into the basket. Uh, I believe it was in the second half and landed a little bit awkwardly. He, he finished playing the game. He played 38 minutes. I didn't see that it really limited him, but he was not as effective in Game 2 as he was in Game 1. He did score 31 points. It wasn't like he was incapacitated, but I am surprised to see that he was injured to the point that it would hold him out. Right. He was moving so well coming into this series. It's the healthiest he looked since his injury. If they don't have Kawhi Leonard, I don't see how they can possibly win three more games in this series because I don't think that Paul George is going to be able to come back. That's Brian Windhorst of ESPN. Before Game 3 yesterday, it was one of those situations, too. Like, I, I miss all the big news when I'm sleeping. I miss the Durant yeah. trade. Woke up to that. Woke up from my uh, my really unsatisfying nap yesterday to get the Kawhi Leonard news that he was out for Game 3. And before I could really dive in and get all the details of what was out there, Bick, my first thought was like, here we are. Mark it down. Yeah. April 20th, 2023. The day load management hit the NBA playoffs. And we joked about it in this series. And here it is. But... Apparently, it's not load management. Okay. It's a new injury. So I, I was out to lunch with a friend yesterday, and we were sitting there, and all of a sudden, somebody from across the restaurant goes, Bickley, Kawhi is out. <laughs> it's not a joke. Not a joke. I was having a band meeting with my vocalist, our vocalist, and on the television, the news broke, and somebody screamed at me from across the road. It was outstanding. Legendary. The guy, it was legendary. The guy yelling wasn't Guitar Joe, no, who was no. mad that he wasn't invited no, to the no, uh, no. meeting, right? No, 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 absolutely, absolutely not. These were sports uh, fans who were as stunned by the news as everybody else happened to be. Had this person that yelled addressed you before this or no? no? I didn't even know. No, 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 no. They were just going to let you do your rock star thing. He was just hanging with his his buddy. I was hanging with mine. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. It was really, really funny. Um, So lots of thoughts about this. First of all, if you were a Clippers fan, and I know there's not a ton of them, but could you imagine anchoring your hopes to this basketball team? No. This fragile, uncommitted, soft basketball. And again, for, for... at the very top, I'm talking. Yes. Everybody else on the Clippers plays with their hair on fire. The Clippers infuriated a lot of people during the course of the regular season with the way they handled those two players. And you are exactly right. Those two have got to be that duo. How many years have they been together? And we talk about it every single year. He's not available. He's not available. Kawhi Leonard looked fine through two games of the series, and yeah. then he's in street clothes in game three. The even, guys when, the, even when he was walking off the court in game two and he bumped into Chris Paul, he was sauntering. He was moving perfectly. Yeah. If you've got a sprained knee and a dude bumps into you, you're going to be thrown off your mark a little bit. Yes. So I don't know what's going on here. I, I shared this with Vinny. Uh, I, I heard from somebody who thinks he knows some things. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. I think we all have people like that in mm-hmm. our lives, right? Um, it, it, this person suggested to me that Kawhi is load managing in the playoffs. That Kawhi basically, or his people, basically thought, okay, we got two games in 38 hours, pick one. Because my guy ain't doing both. Now, that's a pretty 
pretty extreme thing to suggest. Yes. Okay. Now, the Clippers themselves kind of squashed that yesterday. Yes. But but what's interesting about this is that the the Clippers team president, Lawrence Frank, felt the need to go and meet with reporters Mm -hmm. to let them know how bad Kawhi wants to play. Here was Lawrence Frank on that subject. I don't really think it's probably a fair fair comparison to the load management. I think one is the, you know, Kawhi was dealing with injuries. Like, you know, I think sometimes what gets lost when he misses games, like he had an acute injury, like he didn't man- mean to land on Amir Coffey's ankle and roll his ankle. He didn't mean to tear his ACL. Uh, so, like, to me, as he's been dealing with injuries, and for the better part of that second half of the year, he's he's played, and he's played at an extremely high level. So I, I don't think the two are connected. Yeah, so not connected. He's not calling it load management. He also talked about, as you said, how bad Kawhi wants to play, but he just can't. Okay. If he plays in game four, I think you're probably looking at some fines from the NBA to the Clippers. When when your team president comes out and says that, and he just can't play, and then 40 hours, whatever it is later, he takes the court, I think it's legit. People reported, hey, this is not related to the ACL tear. This is a a different knee sprain. Mm -hmm. We know how slowly Kawhi Leonard heals. He's one of the slowest healers on the planet. Yeah. He, you know, if this is legit, he's not going to be back for game four. That's, and maybe that's not the great, rest of the no, series. That, that's a great point. So, and then you talk about the pathos of being a Clippers fan. You had all the stuff that stood in front of uh, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin during that era. A lot of injuries, a lot of a lot of stuff, right? Uh-huh. During the bubble, Clippers had a good team. That was when Paul George had all those anxiety and depression issues. Yes. Kawhi Leonard injured in the 2021 playoffs, and then last year, in a moment that felt very much like yesterday's moment, just as they were about to go into a play-in tournament game, Paul George pops a positive COVID test. Yes. These two dudes have contracts worth about $500 million combined, Mm -hmm. and what they have given the Clippers in return is... Well, it's laughable. Gambo thinks they should give that money back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's... Uh, I, and what a difference. Wanna... Well, it's night and day. Those two guys and the guys that took the floor last night, the guys that have played in this series, I said it in our show prep meeting. I can't remember watching a team play this hard in the playoffs for three straight games. Last night was a study in perseverance. Yeah. Think about how dangerous the Suns would be if everybody on the Suns were as focused as the role guys on the Clippers were are and this is quite something but you're right about that if this is a legit thing if this if this is something that the symptoms really started to show after game two from an injury suffered in game one which I'm having a real hard time believing uh, but but like you I don't think Kawhi would do something like this I, who would you, when he's playing at that level but how do you not, how does your mind not go there it's impossible for it not to go there. Ruled out less than seven hours before tip-off with an injury nobody knew existed. I think even the Clippers didn't know I, that he was playing through an injury that first game. Well, and Kawhi's got a long history of, of either not communicating his injuries well with with his organization or... Because this is... I mean, this is a thing. If out through San Antonio and Toronto and now now, it's... Uh, well, one thing we know for certain based on recent history is we'll never know the severity of this injury. Because if you go back to 2021, Leonard gets hurt in the series against Utah. 
And it was possible that he was coming back. They didn't divulge that it was a torn ACL until after the series. They kept that cloud hanging over the. He might be back. He might. He missed the entire next season. Yeah, maybe that's well, what Petros Papadakis was talking about in uh, <laughs> dealing with the Clippers. Yeah, <laughs> media relations and front office. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the big picture thing is that the Clippers keep losing superstars. And the Suns keep struggling with the Clippers anyway. Because the Clippers are so used to playing without I those two guys right. that they're 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 good to go. Wow. Let's just roll the ball out wow. there and play our butts wow. off and see what happens. What, what an indictment that is. Listen, there was a lot of pressure on the Phoenix Suns to win that game last night. There were a couple of tenuous moments. Uh, there was a huge made three from Torrey Craig. There was a huge missed three. It was Terrence Mann, I believe, at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. That in and out, almost down. And, and but But the Suns always kept them at arm's length. And that's so. I'm not going to at least half an arm's length. Like half an arm's length. <laughs> so I'm not going to get too goofy that this game wasn't easier than it should have been. It's hard to find easy games in the playoffs. It is. It is. And I think you know once you got that news as a fan, you're thinking, oh, this thing's over. It's not over. It's not over. And we'll have a lot more on the game coming up. Suns do win at 129-124 to take a 2-1 series lead. Diamondbacks dropped the opener uh, to the Padres in a four-game series last night. And also big news, they're moving on from Madison Bumgarner. D-backs Daily is next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D-backs Daily. Brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call, text, or chat 988 to access the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Yeah, D-backs the first team to see the fully stacked and loaded San Diego Padres lineup. Fernando Tatis Jr. back from his lengthy suspension. Started in right field last night, but it was another Padre who got the parade going early in the second inning. Trent Grisham putting San Diego on the board. The pitch. And a drive to right. That ball will go up off the wall. That's the bases. And it's going to score a couple, I think. Here comes Carpenter around. He'll score. The throw to the plate is cut off. 2-0 San Diego. Yep, Greg Schulte on the call on the uh, Diamondbacks Radio Network. 2-0 at that point in the bottom of the second. Geraldo Perdomo put the D-backs on the board. Swinging a drive into right. That ball is fair. Down the line. Extra bases. In to score is Thomas. Perdomo's chugging for third. Here he comes. Here's a throw by Kim. He is safe at third base. The ball gets away. Perdomo's got a hold at third. Walker was over there backing it up. So, a double and a triple in the inning, and the Diamondbacks have cut the lead in half to 2-1. to one. Yeah, 2-1 at that point. Uh, Padres would tack on to their lead in the third inning. Uh, Xander Bogart's a two-run home run, and then in the uh, top of the fourth inning, it was Matt Carpenter going deep. Got a fly ball to right, maybe four. Back goes McCarthy, and Jake sees it hit off the yellow line and go over the fence for a home run. Carpenter, it's his second of the year. Padres now lead it 5-1. to one. Yep, uh, five to one at that point. Bottom of the fourth. That's when the D-backs got going. Josh Rojas uh, plating two with a single. Here's a two-two, and a line drive base hit left field. One is in. Perdomo being held up. He runs right through the sign and the throw to the plate, and he is safe. Down to second goes Rojas. It's five to three. 
It would become 5-4 on a, a Gurriel double to left that scored Rojas, and then Gurriel would score on a wild pitch, and all of a sudden 5-5 in the fourth inning. But as the scoring started, Bick, with a Trent Grisham two-run double, that's the way it would end as well. Grisham a shot to center, and that ball is over the head of Thomas to the wall. Two more runs will score, and Grisham will pull in his second one to throw to the plate, and Cruz got in. And the Padres get the lead back 7-5. And that's the way it would end, 7-5 as the Padres win it. And, uh, frustrated uh, manager, Tori Lovello, commenting afterwards. Yeah, we fought hard today. We found ourselves right back in this game with some quality at-bats. Just building some innings, uh, capitalizing at the right time, some head, heads-up base running. It was frustrating uh, when we ended up losing this game. And the feeling that I'm getting each time we go out there and play for nine innings is um, we're doing a lot of things right. And I want to continue to capitalize on those, but the things that we need to get better at, you know, we, we will continue to create some awareness. Um, you know, we're, we're an unbelievable defensive team. If something happened tonight you don't see very often. We don't make a play defensively, and, and it hurts us. And yeah, it was Nick Ahmed's error that yeah. kind of opened the door for a big inning for the Padres there, and you don't normally see that because no, Ahmed don't. has been a great shortstop. But uh, now two in a row in the lost column for the D-backs, 11-9 and nine with three games remaining in this Padres series. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, so this was uh, a lost opportunity, if you will, but I, I do agree with Tori Lovello. I think that if you zoom out a little bit and you look at, at the season as a whole, there's more positive than negative, uh-huh. and, and the games like that... Uh, this is a key series only in the standpoint of you, you want to show – you've already shown the Dodgers that you can play with them. You, you kind of want to do the same thing with San Diego. You don't want them to come in now and, and kind of own this series, if you will. So, uh, again, it's flush this game, try to regroup, and, and get something better happening today. Yeah, and this on the heels, too, of a big decision made earlier in the day by yep. the Diamondbacks to designate for assignment Madison Bumgarner, meaning they're willing to eat 34 Plus million dollars remaining on that contract. Mike Hazen, the general manager, talked about that decision earlier in the day. The recent performance um, over the first part of the season, in totality, kind of adding up start after start, trying to lay through long as we could, knowing that we wanted it to turn around. Um, we didn't see that as of yesterday, and so we made the decision. And one of the initial reactions from everybody was, okay, we, we had talked about Bumgarner's got a short leash. The reality is the Diamondbacks have a good baseball team, and you could not afford to put him out there every fifth day or really rely on him in any capacity on that pitching staff because they want to win, and they want to win this year. Mike Hazen talked about the urgency to make this decision when they did. You know, I've thought about that word urgency over the last 48 hours, Um, and yes, I think that I ask our players and staff to have urgency around how we're going to play and attack, and so I have to do the same thing. I can't be a hypocrite and ask for that and not do it in my job. And so that was part of the reason we we made a decision. Yeah, and Hazen talked yeah. about moving Bumgarner to the bullpen, but they ripped the Band-Aid off, and that was exactly what they needed to do. They've got, you know, Mike Hazen's got a little egg on his face because that, co- that contract did not work out. I think it's I think it's the worst free agent signing by far in the history of the Arizona uh, I agree with you, because there was just so little good to come of it. You know what I mean? It started with that whole Mason Saunders ridiculous story 
right? That mm-hmm. that made people wonder, oh, what what are you doing, man? Hey, what are your priorities here? And, and then it just, you know, there was just a lot of a lot of meatballs thrown Oof. in his in his time with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and there was a lot of there was a lot of agitation and barking and old man get off my lawn stuff. And then there you was saw a, that right till the very end, right until the very end. Then you you had the seven inning no hitter on that that day that 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 doubleheader sweep that was one of the only bright spots of that particular year, uh-huh. right? So, I, yeah, I agree with you. This was about as bad as an experiment. Zach Ranke was not as failed as this was. Zach, people brought that up. I saw people bring that up on social media. Zach Ranke was really good as a Diamondback. And if you want to just look at the numbers, in the history of the Diamondbacks pick, 23 pitchers have started 50 or more games for the Diamondbacks. Madison Bumgarner is among those 50. started 69 games for Arizona. Had the worst ERA of that 23-pitcher bunch, and by far the worst winning percentage. Oh, really? He went 15-32 and 32 for a 319 winning percentage. The second worst on that list was Joe Saunders at 412. <laughs> <laughs> Furthermore, uh, and then if you look at Granke, he went 55-29 and 29 with the Diamondbacks with a 340 ERA. Was it worth $205 million? No, no but he was no. a really good pitcher. But he's really good, yes. Joe Saunders, is that Mason Saunders' uncle yeah, or something? Yeah, that's weird. You can't get away from the Saunders thing. Right. Seeing the pattern. Uh, furthermore, since 2020, when Madison Bumgarner joined the Diamondbacks in Major League Baseball among pitchers who had started 50 games, there are only five pitchers who had a worse ERA in that time span anywhere in baseball. You know who the worst is, by the way? No. Patrick Corbin. Oh, boy. Who's just been brutal. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. Patrick Corbin, Mike Miner, Eric Fetty, Dallas Keuchel, and Chad Cool. Cool. <laughs> Those are the only guys that had a worse ERA. Yeah. This was the right move. The timing yeah. was right. The, the ramifications. Got to get his energy out of here. Yeah, I totally yes. agree with you. Totally agree with you. But. You know, there's that financial ramification. Mike Hazen talked about that yesterday. There's a lot of money to be paid for Madison Bumgarner for doing nothing. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be there. <laughs> so I think the, the, the money for this year was already allocated. Whatever we were going into the season operationally, that wasn't going to change one way or another. So that's that's sort of irrelevant. It's only next year that it, that it matters. Um Whatever we were going to be allowed to spend at the deadline or moving forward, we were going in with that money in the books regardless. I wasn't going to be able to move that money somewhere else. Next year's money um, is is the dead money uh, where you, I mean, theoretically, could have done something with maybe. Um, but that, you know, we'll see. But the, it, it's more next year's impact than it is this year's impact. Yeah, so there, there is that. And it, it, it hurts for a team like the mm-hmm. Diamondbacks that, you know, they've got, you know, Parameters on what they can do financially yeah. that hurts, but you can't be wasting big chunks of contracts like that. Yep, but I agree. Tommy Henry, you're first up. Let's see what he does mm-hmm. in this year's rotation, and if that doesn't work out, they've got options. Zach Davies could be back soon. Um, so yeah, this this was the right move, and hopefully the D backs can uh, can right bounce back from you. a disappointing yep. uh, opening to that Padres exactly. series tomorrow. Uh, and they t- will. Tonight. Zach Gallon's on the mound tonight. Things yeah. will probably go well for them tonight. Yep. Uh, 6.40 first pitch, 6 o'clock pregame from Chase Field on uh, the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. Coming up next, Suns go up 2-1 on the Clippers. We'll talk to our insider who was at Crypto.com Arena. 
Kellen Olson joins us next to give us his lowdown. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on this the Friday. The earliest he's ever been on the show. That is true. And by far. <laughs> That's next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Clippers. Now. Now Booker steals the ball from Zubats, takes it the length of the floor and jams it with both hands. Devin Booker feeling it tonight. 29 points in L.A. And the Suns have a 10-point lead for the first time of the night. John Bloom on the call. Two of 45 by Devin Booker. And they needed, as I said in the splash, that entire stat line to uh, put away the pesky Kawhi Leonardless L.A. Clippers in Game 3. Suns lead at 2-1 and joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. A man who was in the building last night covering it for Arizona Sports. Kellen Olsen, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Bright and early. Good morning to you, Kellen. What's up, guys? It's not going to be bright and early for me in about 30 minutes. Uh, I was say, here. Hello. You have not gone to bed yet tonight, have you, Kellen? I got two hours. We're going okay. to more after this, so like I said. Okay, there you go. All right, so how did the news of Kawhi Leonard's um, injury hit you yesterday? What do you think about all of that? It was trying to process what side of the floor they were impacted more, Dan. And we talk about two-way players and the best two-way players in the league all the time. But when you watch what Kawhi Leonard did for those two games, I know you and I were sitting next to each other, and there were just some plays like that play where he pickpocketed KD or, or just the offensive like dunks and, and drives that he would have through double teams where you and I were just looking at each other like, geez, Louise, is he going to be like the best player in this series when Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are in it? Like, you play off Kawhi, you hear about him a lot, but then you see it on the floor. So then to hear that and then go into this game, it's a weird kind of vibe, especially for it to happen the day of the game because the, the mental adjustment just has to – frankly not be there but at the same time you have to adjust mentally because you're game planning again offensively and defensively around Kawhi Leonard they changed a lot of what they did defensively in game two against him and then offensively like he has been the main hub of their offense so I don't I don't know how you guys felt but I didn't even feel necessarily like last night had much to do with adjusting without Kawhi Leonard there it was just more about the fact that the Clippers they don't have the Suns' number, but they have their number in terms of making these games physical yes. and competitive, and they just have this part of their DNA where they will not go away in games. Yeah, it was, a, in my opinion, Kellen, another lethargic start for most of the Suns, but Devin Booker made it clear early. He was on a different level last night. He was magnificent. I just want to hear your thoughts on what you saw from D-Book and how much of that, what we saw and the ease with which he operated offensively, was created just by Kevin Durant's presence on the floor. Yeah, I, the the latter is important to bring up for sure. Uh, I, I was there for both 40-point games in the finals, and to me, what happened in those games was he looked around for a couple of minutes and was like, all right, am I getting help tonight? And then once he saw he wasn't getting help tonight or, or not getting the level of help that he needs in order to kind of really take control of this game through his team, he was like, okay, I'll do it. That's fine. Like I'll, I'll carry the offense. And we saw that in that first quarter, right? They kind of got out to that early run, and then the Clippers ran out to their own run, and then he scored 13 in that first quarter, but it felt like 30 yeah. to me. And and this and this level of form that he's in right now, the stat that I had to recap last night on ArizonaSports.com is that he's had, I believe, 
11 and a half minutes of rest over three total games right now. Uh, last night, he played the entire second half again. He got about three and a half minutes of the second quarter of rest, and that was it. And you saw the way he was. You, you guys, that, there was that foul where he, he challenged. I mean, Monty Williams challenged. I'm not sure who challenged there. There's debate, I'm sure. But <laughs> Monty is one technically has to call it in. But it sure seemed like that Devin Booker challenged on himself. You remember how high he got in the air? Yes. And I was like, isn't this guy played like 41 minutes I know. already? I know. Like, but it just speaks to like the physical specimen that he is. Like, I hate to like use something that grandiose, but. My goodness, you just watch the way he's moving around the floor and how this type of game specifically demanded for a demanding 45 minutes. He was slashing to the basket pretty much every opportunity that he got. And again, thanks to that spacing from Kevin Durant, thanks to the way that the Clippers were playing five out with five guards. It was just leaving a lot of room at the basket. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I I don't know if last night was the best game I've ever seen him play. I'm probably going to lean game one Western Conference Finals, the 40-point triple-double again. But I think it's up for argument after that. And I I would say this is the best form I've seen Devin Booker, and I'll say that. Yeah, there's no doubt. And the the conditioning, as you mentioned, is so underrated because he's doing it. uh, He's playing both ends of the floor. So how important is it? Knowing that and knowing that this core four is more like a big two, at least that's the way it's starting to look. How important is it that the Suns, if Kawhi is out, they manage, uh, they, you know, get this thing done, this series done early, quickly. How big would Saturday be in the context of the minutes being logged by Devin Booker and Kevin Durant? I think it would be huge, Dan, but I also think it would be big. It, look, it, I think it's always going to be a big two in some in some stretches because it's Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and they're, those two are just very they're, – they're highly above Chris Paul and DeAndre for the right reasons. But the reason why those two guys and even Chris Paul are playing such high minutes is because those other lineups aren't just able to function. And, look, we saw that last night even when the bench was good. Like, it, yeah. I don't think, again, it's a matter of the bench playing well or not playing well. If the Chris Paul and DeAndre minutes – specifically aren't going to be able to not only maintain a lead but build on it. Monty feels the need after three or four minutes of Durant or Booker resting to put them back in. Like he's opening second and fourth quarters with Booker starting them when he played the whole quarter behind that. And I think that has a lot to do with the lack of success for Paul and Aiden through three games right now. And I I don't want to say if it's sustainable or not from Devin Booker because I've just never seen this from him before. Like, I don't know who this dude is. I don't recognize this guy. Like, it's, it's in a very good way for Suns fans, of course. So I don't want to rule out the fact that he could play 45 minutes like this every night. It doesn't seem sustainable. But the, the numbers for Chris Paul and Kevin Durant specifically, if you look at Chris Paul's minute totals over the last two postseasons, he was rarely touching 38, 39, and 40, even in the NBA Finals, guys. Uh-huh. And he's played... 38, 39, and 41 through the first three games of this postseason. Like, that just does not seem sustainable for him. Durant not only coming off the injury, but just his history there as well. You don't want to be burning the the minutes this early, but they've had to. Like, I I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I don't blame Monty Williams for doing it because they need to win these games. They need every minute that they had those three guys out there. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Kellen Olsen from Arizona Sports, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Before we let you go on what to correct and shore up for game four on Saturday, uh, I'm just going to call it like I saw it. The defense against triple penetration last night was atrocious, and I know the Clippers had a lot of cards on the floor, and they made it a point, but that second half was was a layup drill how do the how do the suns combat that moving forward kellen yeah those are two different areas where you look at first the point of attack defense and what you need there and then you look at the rim the rim protection as well i don't think you can say every time someone dribbles inside that deandre needs to be over there but at the same time i think that deandre as a defensive player has just been in a really tough spot the last two games just with his level of play i think that this year 
he, he declined a little bit defensively compared to the year before. But with that being said, I thought he was still pretty solid, especially in the second half of the year. But he's he's regressed in these three games. But at the same time, his perimeter defenders need to help him out. That's a really yes. good point because if the Clippers are able to get downhill and slash with consistency like they were in that second half, Again, these are going to be a really, really, they're going to be in a grind for five games, six games, seven games, whatever. Is Nothing about this is going to even come close to easy, which is what it should be when this team is missing their two superstars right now, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But I don't think it's going to be. And, yeah, in terms of uh, attention to detail and looking at what needs to change in game four, I think a lot of people are going to be having this conversation about Kevin Durant and, and how they're using him and just looking at his overall impact in three games compared to what we're used to from a guy like him. But I agree with you. Defense has got to be the thing that they've got to get together right now. Now. All right, finally, I'm not sure where this whole CP3 thing is going this postseason. A little disconcerting for for me, not necessarily to see him miss key free throws down the stretch, but then to give up the ball immediately so he wouldn't have to go back to the foul line. <laughs> Your thoughts on where this whole thing is going, Kellen? I don't know because we have seen him prepare all year for the kind of role that he was going to have in this exact game, right? Like Devin Booker is just running the offense. He's having one of the best games of his life right now. And Chris has just got to hit open threes. Like that, that's all he's got to do in this game. And, and he was one of eight from three. The craziest part of his foul line, he was five of 18. Three of his makes were at the rim. Yes. And Chris Paul takes like 20 shots at the rim an entire season. <laughs> yeah. He was taking advantage. I, I'm not, I'm not. No, you're right. I know. It. Like that's an actual number. It, I know. And, and he was going in there because there weren't any big men in there because he's Chris Paul and he understands it and he's smart, but that's to outline the fact that like his jumper, mid-range three, it was not working in this game at all. And that's what he needs to have working in this role right now. They just need that situational scoring from him, and it just hasn't been there right now. And But, but luckily, they've got another point guard on their team, basically. like it, I don't want to say they've lucked into it, but Devin Booker's ability to shift into this not a new position necessarily, but certainly a new role over the last two games and this new level that he's been able to. It's been, it's been very fortunate timing for the team, for yeah. sure. Callan, thanks, man. Appreciate you uh, spending some time with us earlier this morning. Enjoy your slumber. Yeah. Sweet yeah, dreams, Kale. Callan nice. <laughs> <laughs> Olson from Los Angeles joining us here on Arizona Sports. And Callan's doing a great job covering the Suns, as he always does. He'll be uh, joined by Bick for Game 4 coverage. You can get all of it on the Arizona Sports app and ArizonaSports.com. But he joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, Kellen just said he doesn't recognize this dude, Devin Booker. we got to get into his performance oh, next. Yeah. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Friday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.